Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where it is both my mission and my pleasure to highlight my creative journey in hopes of inspiring you, giving you a specific takeaway. All that way, your journey can be at least a little bit easier. Now, before I fully dive into things, I would like to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already. That way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So, the, the question that arose for me last week that I want to kind of make the focus of this entire thing is what is available to you, okay? That's a big question, but let's look at why it is a big question, why I would even ask that. So, Elise Lunin, who is a host that I've worked with for a while, she finally did a solo episode of her podcast called Pulling the Thread. And, you know, the episode is about her journey of spirituality and this notion of, I don't know, right? She's like, she's very much on an exploration and and through lens of curiosity because of that aspect, like she doesn't know, right? And by going on this journey and all these things, what it's all meant as she kind of posits is to get you to a place to accept reality as is, right? Rather than fight against, you know, the world and and our inner nature, we can start to be calm in that way and, and see reality for what it truly is instead of railing against it. And by doing so, we can start to see what is meant for our ourselves in this world like what is our path right that's a good way to put it and you know what is the path available to you and interestingly enough like if we're going to take this as a microcosm um you know it's similar to a notion that i discussed like a lot of times artists they feel restricted because they don't have all the resources the time the money right to be able to create in in their ideal way. And with them, you know, anytime that I've worked with them, I, I always try to get them to see, okay, so this and this and this are not available to you. But what do you have at your disposal, right? Rather than see the stuff that is not available to you, look at, you know, what is what is the list of stuff that you do actually have so that way you can go after that and utilize that. And you will start to see that even though it seems like there's so many limiting factors for you, there's also a lot that you have at your disposal, right? Even just the basics of a lot of times, you know, I think people conflate the need for like the nicest camera, let's say like the red camera if you're a filmmaker, um, in order to make a good movie. And it's like nowadays our, our cell phones shoot, you know, hey, Kate right? And if you know what you're doing and you can light it, like, I mean, there's been professionally shot movies on iPhones and they've looked good and projected in movie theaters and so forth, right? So it's not like how it used to be. Like, you know, these cameras are really good and 
you can lean into that and utilize that as part of it, right? It just depends how creative you want to get. Now, the reason this came up to me was because it was in a larger context, right? I was thinking about it, you know, I was kind of not necessarily getting no's, but, um, you know, things were being closed off for me in a certain way. And, you know, that can feel frustrating because, you know, especially like in a lot of ways, life kind of pushes us to, okay, if you're not making any money, so it's like, okay, well, being wealthy is not available to me. You know, you might feel frustrated in your love life and you might feel like, oh, well, uh, love is not available to me. Maybe you feel like you're alone, so you don't have like friends. Okay, that's not available to me. And then, you know, through your art, um, you know, you're, if you're an actor, you're putting yourself out there for auditions and you're just getting rejections. Okay, so like this is not available to me, you know, as a filmmaker, you know, you're submitting to film festivals and you're getting rejections. As a writer, you might be, you know, uh, submitting to publishers and getting rejections there. You know, if you're a musician, let's say, you know, as an indie artist, you know, you put your stuff on Spotify, but it's not hitting because you, you can't put the promotion behind it or whatever, right? And so it starts to feel like just such an uphill battle and, you know, in that way. So it's like, okay, well, what what is available to me? Because, you know, this does not seem like it is, right? And certainly we can extend it to the larger context of stuff, you know, like women's reproductive health. You know, it's like we, we, we don't, we're essentially saying you don't even have autonomy over your own body, right? So there's just a lot of different ways to cut at this question. And like all things, you know, um, you can have a positive association with it or a negative association with it, right? And, you know, if you start to view it from the lens that I was just describing of, okay, you're just getting rejection after rejection in whatever capacity, and feeling like, you know, well, what is available to me, right? It's just a, you know, uh, it's just a different distinction of like, there's that frustration behind it when you say like, well, what is available to me or what is available to me, right? Just that sort of punch to it all. You, 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 you get a sense of like being defeated, being beaten down by the world and everything else. And, you know, that's certainly, I think, a resonant feeling a lot of humans just have in general, but, you know, obviously, you know, artists have that very much so. And I'm not saying artists have it more than just the general public, but, you know, I, I, I speak to artists a lot more easily because I'm in that world, right? So, yeah, you know, and, and just also just based on, like, the consumption of news and things like that and also... Um, just even like the mass layoffs, right? Um, like on the one side, you know, there's the horror aspect of being laid off and now you have to look for a job and figure out how to survive, like, you know. But then on the flip side, the people that do remain, I mean, not, you know, it's apples to oranges and, you know, um, but in that sense, like, yes, the good aspect is that they have jobs, but all of a sudden now, you know, a lot of these companies not only wanted to do the pick up the slack of the workforce that they fired or laid off is the more proper term, um, corporate speak, but whatever, um, you know, they, they want all these other initiatives. And so now it's like they want the people that have stayed to do three times more work, right? At no extra pay. <laughs> 
So it, 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 it's, it's like wild. And in fact, some companies even like cut back on benefits and yada, yada, yada. So yeah, um, in many ways, it is very easy to slip into that mindset of the, oh, I don't know what the opposite of abundance would be. I don't know why it's not coming to me, but you know, where what is available to you is not abundant. It feels inadequate. And yet, in spite of that, you have to, you know, just find a way to persevere. And that's why, you know, why I call myself the, a 360 creative coach is because, you know, I believe in teaching skills and talent. And yes, 100%, you know, you need the craftsmanship in order to succeed as an artist. But also without that backbone of mastering mental fortitude to combine that with, you'll just buckle at the knees, you know, and... You know, that's something that I think is a misconception about just enlightenment in general. And I'm not claiming to be enlightened. Um, I'm just kind of looking back at, you know, so far I've been doing six years of, of consistent therapy and so forth and really found it beneficial. And it's like, you know, I have hard days, hard weeks, um, no different than anybody else. But now I just recognize the tools that are available to me, right? Um, and so, you know, because in that moment, there was an instance that, for lack of a better term, was a little bit triggering. And I, I knew that also, like, it wasn't that bad. But in that moment, um, it felt so out of my control over, like, what this was. And then, you know, I kind of conflated it um, based on past experience and it just became like this flood. And I knew that's that's what was happening. But I think, you know, Part of that was that awareness and, you know, by, by, by seeing that and recognizing that, that that's what was happening to me, I was able to, you know, really etch away at that and be like, okay, where's this really coming from? What is this about? And for me, as I said, you know, I always like to turn it to, well, what can I do in this situation, you know, and what am I willing to do in this situation? And, you know, a lot of times it's just, you know, continuing to do what you can do, right? And so, for example, here's a here's a kind of very specific example of something like this, right? So let's say, you know, you're a host and you apply to a hosting position, right? And let's, you know, now you've done that. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to just sit, sit around and be anxious over that? Or are you going to continue to, you know, perhaps apply to more things, work on your own stuff, you know, uh, continue your day job, whatever it may be, hang out with friends, even take a little bit of rest, like anything that I hate to use this word, especially since I, you know, I'm pairing it with the idea of rest as well, you know, which is beneficial, but, but being productive, right? Finding a way to be productive where you're, you're, um, not necessarily moving forward, but like you're, you're spending your time wisely, let's say in, in a place where you're not anxious and stressed, because if, if you literally, you know, you, you submitted it to this audition as a host and you're just going to sit around and like wait for it. You know, we, I, I always say, and you know, it's not my quote necessarily, but it's a notion that I heard before, like worrying is like praying for something that you don't want to happen. And that's what stress and anxiety ultimately are, right? And so rather than just sit around and do nothing, you know, um, just kind of be proactive about X, Y, and Z. And so, 
in that same vein, that's essentially, you know, in terms of how I tackled this sort of one big thing, um, you know, I was like, okay, well, what are steps I can take um, that move this forward? And the thing of it was, you know, to many people, the steps that I took might seem crazy. And here's why. Because by taking those steps, they in and of themselves don't guarantee a result. Just like, you know, if you submit as a host to something, you can either get it or you might not, right? But but just like with that, not submitting, you automatically know you're not going to get it, right? And so I'm putting myself in that position where it's like, I'm, I'm going to be proactive, you know, and this might not work out, but I would like to prove why it could work out. And then I'm willing to put in the effort to make it work out, um, you know? So, yeah. And also, I always try to look at stuff that, regardless of the outcome, is beneficial. So here's an example of the past and the present, which is odd, but it'll make sense. So, you know, years ago, um, I dated someone who was French. And, you know, this was a person who meant a lot to me. And so I wanted to learn French. I mean, she spoke English, but I wanted to learn French um, because not that she was saying, hey, learn French or whatever, but it was important to me because it would give me a greater insight into her life and her friends and yada, 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 right? Like it, it would just be great to learn French. And so she was a catalyst for me to learn French, right? And then, you know, we ended up breaking up. Um, we're still great friends and all that. Um, but nonetheless, you know, we had broken up. And so conventional wisdom in a sense would dictate of like, okay, well, you know, it didn't work out. So stop learning French. And it was like, to me, I kept at it. And people are still like, why you broke up with Julia? Cause I'm like, in and of itself, learning French has a benefit to me. I don't know what, like, there's not like a tangible benefit a hundred percent of like, Oh, you know, like I'm doing it. So I, I, I can, be a filmmaker in France, although that could happen, right? <laughs> like, it's just, it's just something nice, right? Like, I think we get too bogged down in this idea that we, everything has to have this, like, very obvious purpose behind it. I mean, if there is a purpose for me, you know, I would love to be accepted into the Cannes Film Festival, and it'd be great to speak French uh, when I go there, right? But that may never happen. But still, like, learning French for, at this point, I don't know, four or five years, I'm definitely not fluent, but it's it's been fun. And, and it has kind of opened up my eyes a little bit more. And yeah, in and of itself, I just think it's a worthwhile pursuit um, that, you know, yes, one day I would love to like film a movie in Paris or somewhere, right? Like, I, I, yes, I, I have an inkling to to utilize this knowledge at some point. But if nothing else, like, you know, there's plenty of foreign movies that I watch and, you know, many of them do happen to be French. And so it'd be like, it'd be great to watch them without subtitles if nothing else. Like if that's all that came out of it, so be it. Um, and so, 
you know, I think too, you know, yeah, Juliet was the catalyst, Juliet being um, the ex who was French, but that wasn't the sole reason. It was, it just happened to be beneficial in that. And so, you know, as far as this, um, it very much is that side of it where, you know, I'm doing it for a very specific reason that's the catalyst, but in and of itself, there's a value there. Again, not one that I can pinpoint of like, okay, if I learn this, this will get me this job or it will earn me X amount of money or whatever. It just, I don't know. As I said, like, I'm not always, for better or worse, I'm not always concerned with the end result. Like, if I enjoy it, it's the Beatles quote, like, um, you know, time you enjoyed wasting was not wasted. And for me, learning French and, you know, now this other stuff, like, it's, it's great, you know? And if anything, you know, this, <laughs> the funny part is, like, there's so many things that, if anything, I have to figure out, like, how to juggle all these because there's so much stuff that I am truly interested in, you know, right now, um, you know, specifically, like, in terms of the art that I am making and the film that I'm making, I have to, um, not only am I like world building and have to like create a great script and story, I'm learning about NFTs to be able to fuel that and create the project and and all that. Um, And I'm also learning about artificial intelligence, both because of a story that I'm working on, but also how I can utilize artificial intelligence as part of, you know, just my process and, and and it be tools that I utilize. And I think... You know, um, for me, you know, mid-journey, let's say, mid-journey, I utilize it as a way to just kind of start to generate conceptual designs for um, my work, right? So it's a tool in that way. Um, I've started, I I, I was (laughs) waiting to use ChatGPT for a long time. Um, It was closed down for a while for, you know, people um, that weren't already a part of it. Now, finally, I've been able to use ChatGPT. And, you know, what I've just, in the short time that I've been utilizing it, it's just, it's a great research tool, right? Um, It's not one that I would utilize as just like mid-journey as an end product. And none of the AI tools are there yet where it's like, okay, you know, from start to finish, I would utilize it as like the the end thing. But um, it is a great tool to be able to get to that end product, right? Um, So that's, I I bring all that up because that is something that I'm learning that is very goal specific, right? Whereas this other stuff, yeah, I don't know how it, how does French fit into the rest of everything? It could, right? Um, But it doesn't have to. Um, But again, it's, I think we, we, we sometimes get bogged down of, just this sort of frustration of finding our place in life. And, you know, for me, part of how I discover what is available to me is just taking steps forward. You know, I don't know how French is going to play in my life, but, you know, at a certain point, something will become available to me through that avenue. As I said, if nothing else, just watching movies without subtitles that are French, right? Um, But in general, that's how we put ourselves in a position of having stuff available to ourselves. You know, taking those leaps of faith, knowing that it might not 
go the way we want or the way we hope, right? But paradoxically, if we put ourselves then and, and, and do it with a pure and kind heart and honest way, then, then it can achieve those results. And if it's not, then it wasn't available to you. And that's okay. You know, I think again, you know, um, in that moment, as I talk about, and I know I haven't like specified what that is, but you know, it felt like the doors were shutting. It's like, okay, um, that's okay. That's okay. Um, but yeah, you know, um, and I think if anything, when I talk about mastering mental fortitude, um, as I said, it's not about that you don't face obstacles in life. It doesn't eliminate them, but you just handle them with more grace and a little bit of ease, right? And that's what I've been noticing for me and how I go about it. And also too, when I come up like in all of this, when I come up against these hurdles by having that grace and, and, and whatnot, part of what creates the ease is that I'm better equipped to spot the big ticket items. And what I mean by this, I, I usually talk about it as far as like, what's, what's the lever, what's the one lever that I can pull that creates the biggest impact? You know, um, Tim Ferriss often talks about it as far as making the one single decision that eliminates a thousand, right? Same sort of principle applies. You know, and I was talking with my friend um, about this, you know, because in all facets of art, you know, sometimes it's not to say that details aren't important, but I think, you know, let's take something like podcasting. I think some people fixate so heavily on you know, um, how the, how the ending of a show like ends, you know, do you fade out? Do you do a hard cut? Like this and that, like just very specific details. And it's like, listen, we, you know, we can debate here. And at the end of the day, some of it's very preferential versus like, you know, this is better than this, right? You know, you, you could both could be good. It's just, which do you prefer? But it's also, you know, my big thing is like, is this the is this the thing? Is it how we do the ending really the make or break of what makes your podcast successful? And, and instead of putting the energy into that too too much, right? You know where could that sort of mental capacity be put to use? That that energy. And so yeah, you know rather than you know be pulling on tiny levers, I always like okay, what's the one lever that that creates the biggest impact? And so by, you know, through everything that I continue to do, it, having that grace allows me to spot those more easily. And that's what makes, as I said, um, those moments less difficult, less painful. So, um, yeah. And I think, too, I recognize how to go about it and how to approach, you know, a lot of times, you know, one of my tools is to reach out to people who I think would have really excellent perspective on a given situation. And so shout out to my friends, John Comerford, Daniel Robay, and Fern Ronay last week because I had reached out to them and, you know, I was, it, I really kind of was talking about 
the idea, like that, that became the central theme of like, well, what is available to me, right? And, you know, kind of exploring that and they were very beneficial through that process to give me the specific perspective in the situation that I was dealing with to, to be able to tackle that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so ultimately, yeah, it's just, um, it's just number one, great to, apologies, um, great to rely on people and, and know that people are there for me. Um, I mean, that's a whole separate thing. And I've talked about this in the past, but, um, really the ability to nurture relationships, I think is something that I put a lot of focus on, right? You know, make sure I'm always there for people, um, and vice versa. And that's what, you know, allows people to be there for me because I do that. And, um, I think one thing just in general (laughs) that sometimes surprises people is, um, when I keep my word, you know, even something as seemingly as like a throwaway, you know, of like if someone's talking about their project in a Zoom, let's say, and they're like, hey, um, you know, yeah, I, I wrote this book and blah, blah, blah. And the default for most people, not that it's like ill-intended, but, you know, it's just like a thing we say of like, oh, that's cool. You know, I'd love to check it out. Um, you know, just kind of a societal kind of nicety, but we don't really necessarily mean it. Whereas for me, if I say something like that, I do check it out and do make that effort, you know, because I want to, I want to keep my word, you know, even however silly of a thing it may seem like if I commit to it verbally, then I want to act upon it. Um, and that's part of nurturing those friendships because they know that, I'm honest, um, I follow through, right? And and all that, you know? And same thing, you, you know, like someone else, someone would ask me, let's say, I get this all the time from friends, like they'll ask me for certain advice and in a moment I might just respond, let me think about that or let me see what I can do. And for a lot of people, that's just the default answer that they give and they never really follow through. But for me, it is important to do that. And, you know, it might take me a week, might take me two weeks, but I do get back to these people and they're, you know, yeah, there's that shock because most people don't. Um, so that's kind of, you know, part of how I nurture the relationship with people. So that way, you know, when I need them, they'll be there for me. And not that it's, you know, a tit for tat sort of a thing like, oh, well, I did this for you. So you have to be there for me. Like it's, it um, doesn't have to be reciprocated in that way, um, but uh, but yeah, you know, um, there's a quote this week that I heard, um, shifting gears just slightly, it's by Carl Jung, right, and it goes, until you make the unconscious conscious, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And the reason why this for me ties into all of this is because, you know, as I said, um, you know, when you look at the, the question of what is available to you, you can either have a negative reaction or a positive reaction. And if you have a positive reaction, great, you know, um, that's a great driving force. Um, if you have a negative reaction, well, why, right? What is that limiting belief 
that makes you feel that not much is available to you because that is what is directing your life. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, you know, as, as the quote says, and you will call it fate. And we debate fate, you know, and destiny and all that, but I like to be an active participant to what, whatever capacity I can be, right? And so even if something's not necessarily available to me, you know, if there's the slimmest chance, then take that shot. You know, for me, that, that's kind of, if, if it means something, right? It's not to say like if there's the slimmest chance of whatever that like you, you blindly go after it. No, but, it, you know, because for me in this discussion, I was like, okay, well, I, I would like to know like, you know, listen, if, if it's really not something that's a, like, essentially I was initially frustrated by this idea of like, okay, well, is this, is this something that's possible or not? You know, and I would like to know, because if it is, I'm willing to put myself through the ringer to make it happen, but I'd like to know if it's not, so I don't waste my effort. And it became like, that's the unknown, you know? Like, it might be possible, it might not. I don't know that. So it's like, okay, well, what am I going to do? Well, for me, it was like, okay, it is worth, it is worth the effort to try. Okay. So if that is the case, let me not sideline myself and be an active participant in this. And what does that mean? Like I said, I cannot control many, many factors of it. In fact, you know, like I don't hold the, the ultimate decision. However, I can put myself in a position to, sh to show like why this is a good thing, right? Um, and that's all you can do in life. And that's how you kind of make things available to you. Um, you know, the world rewards people who step forward. You know, um, it was a question long ago. I got asked, like, why you? How did you get this? I was like, well, simply because, you know what? No one else stepped forward at the time when it was smaller, and I did. <laughs> and, you know, trust me, it wasn't very glamorous, and it was a lot of pain. You know, it seems glamorous now, but I stepped forward. That, that's the only reason. It's not like I'm special in that way. Um, and, you know, barring from the alchemist, I forget the exact, exact quote, but it's like, um, you know, the universe conspires with you when it's like your purpose. Right. And so, you know, in some ways it's interesting, you know, I think people a lot of times try to think about what their purpose is. And I like to flip it of like, well, how can I be most beneficial? Right. Um, and part of that is, you just make a choice, right? I mean, if, if we really dissected, like, how can I be beneficial? It's like, well, in this seemingly, uh, you know, the world has seemingly endless, an endless supply of just bad news. Okay, how do you choose, you know, what charity to be involved in or whatever else? And it's like, you know what? Just make a choice because they could all use you. You know, um, there's this idea, this is from a book called Beyond the Matrix, which analyzes the Matrix movies and its philosophy, but in it, it talked about 
you know, in especially American society, we think of freedom as choice, right? And the, the ability to choose is our freedom. Um, you know, the more choices we have, the more free we are. It's not actually the case. Freedom is commitment to a choice. You know, that's why in the first Matrix, when Neo goes to see the Oracle, you know, she says, I'm going to let you in on a secret. Being the one is like being in love. No one can tell you you are. You just know it. Balls to bone. And that's the truth, you know. Um, there's a lot of time, you know. Um, like for me, my whole heart, like whether it's my movies, my writing, you know, friendships or like learning French or all kinds of other stuff. Like, you know, sometimes there's no seemingly rhyme or reason <laughs> to why it is like that I want to do something. But again, for me, it's that idea. As long as it's honest and kind and not, you know, in that way, not hurting anybody, then to me, I don't need to necessarily question. It's like, then I'll pursue it and I will pursue it wholeheartedly. And, you know, maybe it's the Scorpio in me, but, you know, I don't necessarily like, for me, when I commit, I commit, and that's kind of it, and I go for it, you know. So, and yeah, it doesn't always work out, and I have to re-jigger and, you know, <laughs> do something else, but, like, that's okay, that's okay, you know. Um, there's a script I wrote called In Search of Sunrise, and while I think it would still make a great movie, you know, um, creatively, um, I, I realized I can do a lot more with it. And since, you know, no one was really biting on it, um, I was like, you know what? Let me just turn it into my second novel because I, I can, like, let my imagination soar in all of this and just let it be. It's like, yeah, 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 why not? It's awesome. So, yeah, you know, sometimes it pivots. And so, you know, and maybe that movie will be available to me down the line, you know, no different than like once a book becomes successful, it gets adapted and so forth. And that'd be great. Who knows? That might be available to me. But at the, at the, mo at the present moment, it wasn't. And so I just kind of turned it into what was available to me, which was writing a novel based on that story. So cool. You know, um, it's all in recognizing. Well, firstly, it's recognizing you know, the question of what is available to you? Is that a stressful question? Or does it fill you with excitement? And if it's not excitement, really dig into why not? And how can you change that? So you do have excitement. And when you can do that, a lot more things become available to you. So that's my lesson. That's my vlog to you. Um, just as a quick sort of <coughs> roundup of, you know, my projects that I've been working on. So I had a great meeting last week with, um, my writing team, you know, my story development team of John Comerford, Sarah Stren, and Lynn Krempholtz. Um, we've been working on, um, this, this outline, you know, it's like, I don't even know what draft of the outline is anymore. And we get very, very close. Um, but yeah, I think there's this like this central thing, you know, like 
with each new version, it raises new questions, but we're able to kind of, you know, okay, what's the focus? What's the, you know, um, these things were cleared up, but it introduced some you know, plot holes or uh, inconsistencies and whatever. So it's like clearing, you know, working on that. And, you know, that's another thing of just, you know, putting in the time, right? I, uh, like, you know, each week I would love to have like a polished outline and sometimes, you know, the week goes by and I don't have the completed outline, but it's like, okay, well, I worked on it consistently day in, you know, for the time that I said I would put in. So have a little grace with myself, right? So, um, been working on that, you know, their notes were fantastic and kind of really reining it in. Um, not reining it in, but like finessing it, right? And what's been fun, now I'm starting to, you know, you know, talk about an excitement, right? Like what is available to me? You know, I, I said like, be excited for that. And even though I'm still not like there with the outline of this, um, and because of that, I don't want to move on to the script and other, um, you know, stuff that's, that would, that would progress this forward. Because for me, I want to have that solid outline. That is really important, especially because this is a fantasy story. There's a lot of world building, stuff like that. I want to have it really nailed down um, in a way that, you know, my other movies that are based in contemporary, contemporary life um, are just easier for me to write. So, you know, there's, there's been that effort put, put into it and, and it's been exciting. So I've been doing that. Um, and now with chat G, GPT, I've been actually utilizing it as a research tool for specific moments with my novel, right? Um, to generate ideas. So, um, this will really kind of open me up in that way to be able to work on that. Um, and then this coming week, I've got some character designs that came in, um, for the film project that I'm, that I'm outlining. Cause you know, that aspect of it can move forward. And then, you know, I'm working with a ghostwriter on, on a film how to book, which is based on my experience of making my first movie love market. And so he's completed chapter three, you know, at least the first draft, you know? Um, and so it's exciting, you know, that's, that's moving along quite well. So, you know, in any given week, if it can feel frustrating for me, and I know for a lot of other people, of like not, not enough getting done, but in the grand scheme of things, a lot of things are getting done. Um, again, if you just chip away at it. And sometimes you do need the grace to uh, step back, rest, and that's okay too. You know, um, I think we all deserve that because life can be quite arduous. And so, you know, it's okay. Thank you so much. I truly do appreciate you. And I would also like to highlight, you know, if um, you want to connect more directly and see some behind the scenes stuff, my Patreon page at patreon.com slash has that available to you. It's only $10 a month. You know, there's only one tier, so everyone gets the same thing. Um, I do a monthly Q&A so we can interact that way and I can help you out more specifically. You know, and as I said, there's, you know, bonus stuff of all the various projects that I'm working on that I try to put there to give you, you know, just cool stuff, um, you know, to see, but also stuff that might be a benefit like templates and so forth, right? So all that uh, is there. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. I truly do appreciate you and hope to see you next time.